Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 43. We're covering the Dell Technologies Championship on the PGA Tour and the Made in Denmark on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good evening, chaps. Evening, gentlemen. All right, guys. Uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk Twitter handles at Bamford Golf for me uh, Paul is at Golf Betting Barry at A Good Talk Golf We're available on Podbean iTunes Tune in for Android Spotify That's where I listen Spotify Stitcher Player FM and Podtail Naturally subscribe follow the podcast and spread the word Please take time to rate plus review us on iTunes It helps to keep all of our weekly content free across the website, YouTube and the podcast. And I just want to mention, in terms of YouTube, please join us in our crusade. I've started a crusade for 2,000 subscribers to our weekly YouTube broadcast, The Golf Betting Show. Now, that goes out on a Tuesday over here in the UK, Tuesday morning, UK time. Um, And started the... Uh, the crusade last week and got around about 65 new subscribers to the show last week so uh, it'd be superb to get 2,000 by the end of the year so um, I put links through in the description box in uh, Podbean to uh, to the two golf betting shows that will be going out tomorrow one for the uh, Dell Technologies and one for the Made in Denmark right we've got so much to talk about chaps so little time. Indeed. Um, shall we quickly talk? Let's talk. Uh, where should we start? Check Masters. I didn't see a lot of it, to be honest. I know that um, it's it's been fun, isn't it? You know, a lot of people following Olsen and Peters the last two weeks of very yeah, short close, single yeah. digits, and yeah, that's delivered nothing. No, although, I, I mean, I, I, I was away, as you know, so I didn't catch any of the live action. I was just following it on um, on my phone as and when I could. But uh, it looked like he was getting himself into a position to make a real charge, Peters, but it didn't, didn't quite happen, did it? And, uh, I, think and he went out, I think he went out in the second last group Saturday. Saturday, yeah. It kind of just, uh, just, just trod water from there, didn't he? 71, he did. 71 over the weekend. So, um, you know, and again, he started uh, started quickly on Sunday, didn't he? With uh, Eagle Birdie, which gave, you know, a glimpse of uh, glimpse of hope. A bit of a chance, but it uh, didn't happen, did it? And, uh, you know, the, the guys at the top just, uh, just eased themselves away from it. Did the winner, Paul, follow your pre-event concept? Not really, no. Um, he's not. The, he's a big lad, uh, Pavan, but he's he's not the longest um, off the tee. He's kind of middle distance, two ninety, you know, low two ninety. So he's, he's he's not short. He's not long. He's you know, if you look at his um, average stats on a week where he's played, he might finish thirty fifth or fortieth for driving distance. That kind of uh, that kind of number. But um, you know, he at the end of the day, he was long enough. Um, he topped my greens and regulation stats um, for the week and um, for the rolling stats that I put together for the um, for the predictor model. So clearly, he was a lot, hitting a lot of greens in recent times, um, and he'd finished the previous event off really quick uh, you know, with a, with a fast final round with a you know with an impressive final round of sixty four, I think it was. So clearly, he was in decent nick, and um, 
you know, when push came to shove, he converted uh, held off Harrington, which um, you know, given given Harrington's form on a Sunday, you know, over the years, his mm. uh, you know his, his ability to convert that was pretty impressive. When you put a one point five something, kind of works, doesn't it? He yeah, played like an absolute demon. That's that's an interesting point about Harrington. You know, one one for mental notes when he when he gets thrown off the PGA tour every year, um, he tends to come across to Europe and go very go go well in one of these low scoring events, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, he gets if he gets somewhere where he feels he can get away with his bad drives um, and mm. still recover and uh, give himself a chance on the greens, then you know yeah. as we saw as we saw the weekend, he can get himself in the mix. He's still got plenty of mumbo off the tee as well. Yeah, he's not short, is he? No. His his new his new pump drill seemed to have added yeah. a lot of distance or so he said. Um, mm. I don't know if you saw it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, the, uh, the the new swing du jour for driving ranges around uh, Europe. <laughs> I mean, Pavan, his golf balls looked they had a magnet in them to the bottom of the hole mm. all weekend. It was insane. Yeah. And, uh, it's not many winners you, know, you see putt at one point five three. I think it was putting average. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, there was just a couple of, as, as always, a couple of real key moments down the stretch, like Harrington missing a five-footer on 15 to make bogey. That kind of opened the door a little bit, and then Pavan getting over the water by maybe two yards on the 16th, the part three, and then holding what must have been a 30, 35-footer that looked like it was going to pull up about six foot short and mm. just seemed to, I don't know, get a bit of acceleration or something. That dropped, and, you know, Harrington missed, you know, puts on 16, 17, 18, and... Um, yeah, it was just it was as uh, obviously as an Irish fan and big fan of Podrick's, it was really kind of it was just kind of torturous watching it kind of slip away from him. Yeah. But uh, you got to give credit to Pavan. It was uh, five birdies on the back nine. That is uh, that's that's a way to put your uh, put your hands on the trophy. Yeah, it was impressive stuff, wasn't it? So yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure it completely rewrites my view of the event going forward. Um, you know, we had Paul Peterson win this. Was it? Three years ago, uh, two or three years ago, and again he's you know he's a relatively short hitter, and he held off uh, Thomas Peters that year. And again, it was I mean that that year it was more about his tee to green performance than the putter. So clearly, if you get someone who's in very strong form with one or other aspects of their game, they're going to be able to give the bombers a really good uh, really good game here. But generally, um, I think you'll find the longer hitters can score more readily here. Um, but clearly, they're not necessarily getting the job done. It's, it's an interesting track. It's an interesting event, given that you've got these different kind of nuances to uh, to how it pans out. But yes, no return for me, unfortunately. You got a little bit of Scott back on yours, Steve, didn't you? Oh yeah. When Spieth started spraying it everywhere, I started losing my rag. And um, Adam stayed in there, didn't he? He played neat and tidy. Do you know what he topped putting average last week? Incredible. Yeah, that's kind that, of your, that, your that, premise for backing him, wasn't that it? That guy's putting has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Well, you, I can remember a few months ago we were sitting here, absolutely, you know, crucifying the chat, saying, you know, Tate Green, he's one of the best in the world still, still elite level, but you know his putting was absolutely abysmal, and now all of a sudden he's got that. Long putter. He was fourth for putting average, and he topped strokes game putting last week. Mm. That's unbelievable. And when he had that eagle chance on seventeen, you just kind of thought, well, he's going to make it, and bang, straight in the middle. 
Yeah. Yeah. Some turnaround, as you say, and yeah, very timely, but um, very timely eagle rather for yeah. for oh, yeah, lovely. backers. I think Deshambo though, that's one. To, he's he's a class class player, Deshambo. You think about it. All of his three wins now, he won the John Deere Classic up in Connecticut. Uh, he then this year won for, won for us at Muirfield Village, didn't he? Ohio, mm-hmm. Ben yeah. Poa Greens. And he then goes there when he really needs to deliver something. I, you read stuff and and hear stuff on Twitter saying, oh, you know, he, he's been given the nod already. But that that performance last week was a performance of, you know, don't doubt the captain's pick. You know, I'm mm. in this team deservedly, and he absolutely ran away with it on Saturday. And he he, he yeah. never opened the door at all, did he? Absolutely phenomenal performance to Shamba. Was he anywhere near your thinking on for last week's day? No, I focused too much last. I focused far too much uh, last uh, last week on the top thirteen, fifteen at the PGA. Quite rightly, because there was a big trend there. Mm. But if you looked at Deshambo, game really fitted the course. Long but straight, which we knew driving accuracy was going to be fairly important. Create, you know, crack it. You know, plays well upstate. Motivated, although I, you know, it could have gone two ways, couldn't it? If he knew that he was a captain's pick, he could have. I don't think it works like that. I don't think he would have known before the event. Probably. Definitely not. He, he probably doesn't know now, but he's um, in his in he's pole in position. now, isn't he? He's got to go. He's got to be in. And it was just, yeah. He, he also played. I think it was thirtieth at the at Bridgestone. He missed the cut of the PGA. Terror, you know, didn't play at all well. But at Bridgestone, I think he first round was disastrous, and then it was one of those jobs where he actually, if you took the Friday through Sunday, he played quite nicely. So he was still there or thereabouts. He mm. was still playing some reasonable golf, an eighty to one. Uh, I think there was a smidge of a hundreds at Unibet, and then but mainly eighties. I mean, that was a cracking winner. So yeah, I know a lot of a uh, lot of um, a lot of people were on on him at that price. So congratulations if you were on him. But yeah, it was okay, wasn't it? Now that leads us into the Ryder Cup. Now um, we know, of course, that the top eight in the American uh, squad are selected. Although there's another question now about Ricky Fowler because he's just withdrawn from this week's Boston event. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly got an injury that's quite serious. But we'll we'll cross that bridge in a while. Um, captain's picks are going to be announced on Tuesday next week after the uh, after the finish of the uh, Dell Technologies on the Monday. Don't forget it runs Friday Monday the Dell Technologies for Labor Day over in the states. Um, we're pretty assured that Tiger's in, uh, Mickelson's in. You cannot see a reason that Deshambo won't be a captain's pick. And then you've got one left, which clearly Tony Finau's putting his hand up for in no uncertain terms. Yeah. What have you guys? Do you think it's pretty much a done deal already, or do you see a scenario where somebody of a Showflay, a Kisner, a um, a Patrick Cantley type would literally need to win this week to kind of change? You know that fourth selection. But isn't it? Isn't it a case that they have three picks after this week and then one after? Yeah, um, yeah they do. Yeah, the, the week after. So yeah, so, so okay. Lefty, Woods, DeChambeau are in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and you, I would imagine, the smart play would be to pick them after this week. Yeah. 
and then hold off the last pick to see who shows up this, this week. week, next week, yeah. and and whatever happened last week. You know, Fino played well last week, so did Cantley. Um, I think for me, Fino and Cantley are the ones that are kind of at the head of the um, that race to get on, possibly a little bit ahead of Schofle because he's he just seems to have gone off the boil since the Open Championships. Yeah, he has, yeah. It's got to be some some effort from Cantley, isn't it? He's, you know, he's got to go out there and. and probably win this week to elevate himself up to the kind of level where he's kind of knocking on that door because even given last week he's still quite a way down the list I know the list has absolutely no bearing on it now because clearly he's gonna he's gonna make his picks but uh, you know I think yeah I agree I think where Fino has the advantage as well is is clearly his major championship performances yeah oh yeah for sure where Cantley hasn't got that on his CV I, yeah, I, I agree with Paul. I think for Cantley to, well, we'll just. I think for Cantley to qualify instead of Finau, he needs to do something seriously good, and or yeah, or, or a show play type. And that's possible. You know, we've seen it with Ryan Boy. It can happen. Um, and of course, there is this potential scenario where if Ricky Fowler isn't fit to play. Now, what happens then? Clearly, there's going to need to be an addition to the squad. Yeah, so I wonder if it it defaults down to the ninth in the points or if there's an extra pick. I I had a bit of a route around and couldn't seem to find anything. Yeah, there must be a precedent. There must be a rule for it, at least, even if there's not a recent precedent for it. Mm. But um, Logically, I'd say it goes down to the next uh, next in line. You'd assume it goes uh, to DeChambeau at nine, wouldn't you? Yeah, which would then right. free up an additional captain's pick. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's, it's probably semantics at the end of the day, isn't it? Because it probably doesn't make a great deal of difference because you know if Deschambeau's in, Deschambeau's in. It's just uh, whether whether Ricky's in, and if that's the case, then it does free up a pick further down the line. But clearly, you know, if you're if you're on the uh, dry, you know, on the range at, in Boston tomorrow or Wednesday, and you're in you're in you know you're in the um, that professional arena, you know what's going on with Fowler. You know what. Rumours there are discussions mm. being had, and if you're a Patrick Cantley, a Xander Schauffele, a you know a number of players, there must still be a little bit of hope there that if you really do perform a, across Boston and across uh, Aronimink, Philadelphia, you know you've still got a chance of getting in there because you know mm. these I've been reading around it and these oblique injuries are not at all easy to clear up. No, no, they can be quite, uh, quite, quite persistent, can't they? And no, it's, it's not necessarily. He's got what's he got? A month, just under a month to, uh, just over a month to, to get it sorted out. And perhaps he, perhaps he doesn't play this. Well, he clearly doesn't play this week. Perhaps he doesn't play for the rest of the FedEx Cup if that's what it takes for him to uh-huh. be, you know, fit for the uh, for the Ryder Cup. We shall see. What about Europe, guys? I mean, there, there's even more questions in terms of the European team. Uh, yes, the way I read it, anybody playing in the on uh, in Boston this week cannot now qualify for that last automatic spot that Tior Bjorn currently holds. Yeah. So in that case, and from what I've been seeing on Twitter. We've got the likes of Fitzpatrick and Pepperell who can still jump above Tiorbjorn to get that last spot. Yeah, they're the only two that have got a mathematical chance of making it because 
as you say, Poulter, uh, Cabrera, Bello, Casey, um, they're all playing um, over at Boston, aren't they? But mm. the, the points don't count from Boston. It's just the points in Denmark. Yeah. So, so Fitz has got to... He's in 12th spot. So he's in the, he's in the fourth captain's pick spot, if you, if you look at it that way. Um, he needs to win um, and Olsen needs to finish outside the top seven. Um, Peppel's a bit further down. He's in 14th spot. Uh, so he's a couple of spots behind Fitz. But yes, he needs to win it as well. Um, and Olsen needs to finish outside the top dozen or so. So there are scenarios where either Fitzpatrick or Pepperell can um, can leapfrog everyone in front of them and, and land up in that eighth position and, and automatically qualify because Poulter can't do it, Cabrera Bella can't do it unless he jumps on a plane and decides you know, at the 11th hour to come and play over in Denmark. Casey can't do it. So uh, Sergio's not even playing. So these, go- these guys aren't going to be a factor. It's just purely down to how the likes of Fitzpatrick and Pepperell perform. And clearly there's a lot of pressure for those two guys as well. And okay, so that's the automatic spot. You've then got a scenario, of course, of the four captains' picks being announced on Sunday after the tournament. Is that correct, or Monday morning? It's on the fifth of September. They're doing a live show on Sky Sports for it, where Thomas oh. will uh, Thomas will reveal all spread over about three hours and a multitude of uh, okay. Time so it's on. So it's next Wednesday, but effectively, of course, the the finish line is is Sunday afternoon over in Denmark. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you got it. Yes, for the automatic spots. But then, of course, we've got the captain spots. Yeah. So let's on the basis that Tilbjorn qualifies, we've got four spots between the likes of Poulter, who for me is um, for me Poulter is a he's a lock. I've got a feeling that Stenson's going to be a lock, even though he's carrying this injury, which, of course, could be dangerous. And then we've got Garcia, Thomas Peters, Rafa Cabrero-Bello. You know, you you look down the list, Peters is, again, you know, looking similar to the the Cantlay uh, scenario. He's a long way down. Mm. You know, he's had his opportunities to, you know, to, to put his hand up and... You know, last week, arguably, you know, he's, he's on a track that he's won and he's come very close to winning um, before on a field that wasn't particularly strong in a position that he was in um, and, he, and he dropped away. You know, what? why should Thomas Peters get that pick? I, I, it doesn't feel right to me. When I saw Peters playing last week, he looked like a man who had pressure on his face, yeah. visible pressure on his face. So to me like reading between the lines on that he's been told you need to go perform at a like mega level win or yeah. push it really close mm-hmm. that's what I said and, last week I thought he had to yeah. win last week and clearly he got uh, in position and, that, and he and, couldn't hold on and that was the look he seemed to have on his face yeah. now look we could be we could be well wide of the mark on that but uh, that's what it felt like to me and I, I think the same applies this week the it's a winner bust, mm. um, or else he just you know you, you have to start striking players off that short list uh, somewhere or other, and um, yeah, he's just had a he's only just getting hot now. So some so most likely someone out of Garcia, Casey, and Cabrera Bello is going to miss out. Yep. Yeah, and it, how ma- like to me that's mad that Cabrera Bello and Casey are playing over in the States when they could come over and win a at a tournament that has 
like a, they are going to have a much better chance of winning because it's a weaker field. Yeah, and that and that gets them in. And, they, and the and the permutations aren't anywhere near as stringent because they're no. you know significant number of points ahead of where Fitz, Fitzpatrick is. So. Yeah, they, they could probably beat Torbjorn in a playoff and, prob- and might maybe still. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it would be far less, um, but, far less stringent. Doesn't exactly show, you know, it's it's typical kind of golfer mentality, isn't it? It's kind of chase the money, chase the money, chase the FedEx Cup points, which is their decision. At the end of the day, they're their own personal company at the you know organization aren't they but it doesn't exactly show a hundred percent commitment to the Ryder cup cause does it no but then a lot of these players don't necessarily do that through that throughout the whole season do they they'll play their bare minimum over on the european tour um they'll get you know by the by the letter of the law they'll qualify to to play for the for team europe and and then they spend the rest of their time over on the, on the pga it's like garcia if he does get the nod I mean, I haven't closely looked at the European Tour schedule, but in my mind, the only event he will play will be the Amiga Masters up in Switzerland. Hmm. That'll be his only event between missing, you know, missing out at the Wyndham Championship and going yeah. to the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's mad. I don't, I don't, I don't think he plays personally. I don't think Garcia plays. I don't think he plays. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that Stenson plays. You know, unless he proves himself to be 100 percent fit. I don't. I think that's too much of a risk. Why put a, Why put an injured man in the in the squad? Oh, I agree. Yeah. I think Poulter's in. I think Cabrera Bello, in all likelihood, is in. Um, I'm not entirely convinced on Casey, although I've got a suspicion he will end up there. And I think that leaves one. And if you get the likes of a Fitzpatrick or a, a Pepperell, who do particularly well this week. Um, and just miss out. Does that not give them a, you know, a case? Uh, not sure. I think Fitzpatrick could be a, a very strong shout for for a pick if he, you know, if he finishes even second or third this week, and he's, you know, he just just misses out. He he's kind of he's flattered to deceive all year, isn't he, Fitzpatrick? He's not. Yeah, he's, he's not been yeah. great. He's, he's shown some decent snippets of form and then just not converted or yeah. not quite. But it, he was good in Scotland, yeah, wasn't he? A, he's been at the top of a lot of Friday morning, Friday afternoon leaderboards. You think, all right, he'll... and then he just disappears over the weekend. Mm. Yeah. So, we're, yeah, so was... we're not any further forward, really. I suppose we won't be until the announcement. <laughs> probably, but have you ever known it this complex? It's a complex scenario, isn't it? It's not straightforward, is it? I think I think Poulter's um, nailed on. I don't think there's any argument in my mind, that he's not going to play. But um, there are question marks around the other three, and that does open up the door for a big performance either side of the Atlantic this week, just to hold a hand up and say, you know, this is me, I want to play. I, I personally, I agree with Andrew Coulter on Sky. I think Poulter's in. I think Stenson will play. I, get, I, I think he's a lot. I think he will play despite his injury. And then it's two of the others. So you know, I, I can, you know, if Garcia plays, will he put RCB with him? So you've got a Spanish dream team. Does he go with Casey? Oh, it's, it's, who knows? We'll find out. It's a tough. To be fair to Bjorn, it's a tough, tough decision. Mm. It really is. And I said to you, Barry, I, I, I mentioned, are you concerned slightly about the lack of kind of European performances that we're seeing over over in the states recently? There hasn't been a great deal, has there? 
Well, like the Ryder Cup's not for another month. Well, there's no point in being hot right now. And we're not playing, and it's not being played in the States. It's being played in Paris. Mm. Yeah. Totally different, yeah. Spe- yeah. yeah. I'm I'll not, not going to hit the panic. I'm not hit the panic button right yet, Steve. Mm. Um, like I think when it comes to the Ryder Cup, I think to a certain extent you can throw the the recent form book out the window because it's match play. There's the atmosphere. I mean, if somebody's really playing rotten, like we've seen them being benched before, um, but the only person that I'd say is playing really poorly if he was to get on the team would be Sergio and like Sergio could just turn it on on the week and just play play outrageous yeah he could do but as you say he's not playing well it's, to put him in in the first place is the risk isn't it yeah but the, I mean there's there'd be some um, there'd be an interesting reaction if he wasn't picked <laughs> there'd be an interesting reaction either way might there yeah, I think this, this is it. It's difficult, isn't it? You've got a team that's absolutely packed, full of big names and quality in the in the American ranks, and to to leave out players of you know worldwide renowned players of the like of Garcia or a Paul Casey, and go for lesser known players that are are in who would need to be in good form to get that spot. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's as long it, as it's it, short, it, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, we, we could sit here and do a round table on this for a few hours and still not be any closer to a decision that we're comfortable well, with. Well, Lee Westwood, we from what if, I've, uh, an interview I saw <laughs> uh, on YouTube. <laughs> this, this is great. Go on, tell the story. I think it's brilliant. It's on YouTube. I can't tell you who it is. There's three individuals. They're on a stage in Ireland. Uh in front of an audience and one of the guys who says he's very very close to Thomas Bjorn um, you know knows him really well uh, you know constantly tweeting each other and DMing each other he swears blind that Lee Westwood will be a captain's pick (laughs) and he was having none of it from the other two panellists and from the derisory nature of the audience's reaction that that Lee Westwood will not be in the Ryder Cup team for Team Europe but just, just hang on. This wasn't one of like I, you know, the fake panel shows we do here that are just it's comedians on the stage. <laughs> it might have been. Because we we do that here for you know, for sports shows. They they knew more than comedians would know. So yeah, Lee West perhaps was playing. Perhaps that's the decision. Maybe that's why he was playing last week in Checo. I mean, we thought he was there to keep an eye on what was going on, but really it's to find the form that he needs to, to, to power <laughs> us to victory at the Golf National. Yeah, he played right for a day, didn't he? For a day. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that the collective jaw drop, um, if he got picked, would, uh, would register on the Richter scale. This guy's scale. reasoning was that Thomas Bjorn is, um, you know, Thomas Bjorn will pick who he wants to pick and you know whatever statistics or whatever rhyme and reason goes against his idea, he doesn't, he won't care. He will just choose who he wants. So from what that guy's saying, it's going to be Poulter, Garcia, Stenson, and Lee Westwood, because those are the four guys he wants to play. A lot of experience in there. I'll give you that. <laughs> A lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. Right, come on then. We better crack on because. Um, it's uh, it's time's moving ahead. Should we talk Made in Denmark first? 
Yeah, let's do that. Um, well, this one's going to be all about Thomas Bjorn as well, because this is um, Thomas Bjorn's home track. We're moving from Himmerland, where we've had the last four Maiden Denmark events, to Silkeborg, I think you pronounce it, um, or something along those lines, which is where Thomas Bjorn was, um, was born. This is where Thomas Bjorn played a lot of his formative golf, which is where Thomas Bjorn has a residence even now. Um, he was involved in a, a restoration or a renovation of the course back in 2007 and uh, clearly there's going to be a lot about him this week in terms of that and clearly there's going to be a lot about him this week in terms of the Ryder Cup as well. So expect to see a lot of Thomas on your screens over the uh, over the course of the week. Um, not from the top of the leaderboard, I suspect, um, although if you fancy a, a punt on Thomas, he's uh, available around about 400 to 1 at the moment. So I think 400 that, to 1? That sounds like a Barry pun. <laughs> I think that gives you a... He's not long enough for me. Um, <laughs> it needs to be four figures to, to have a punt on that. But yeah, I, clearly he knows the course better than anyone and uh, you know, he's, he'll be involved in a lot of the uh, conversation at least. Um yeah, so again, as we were just saying, you've got this kind of subplot that's going to be ticking over um, through the course of the four days as well. So uh, it's going to be something for us to keep an eye on. But um, as to how that's going to impact play, well, we shall see. I mean, you've still got um, at the top of the... Uh, I'm just bringing up the odds quickly. Um, you've got uh, Jorban Olsen, who's the favourite for this week. And I think he's still getting there. Nine to one, he's been... Uh, uh, taken into now Thomas Peters out there 14 to 1 so you've got the two guys that Steve was saying at the top of the show have been heavily backed over the last couple of weeks um, and both of them have failed to deliver although they've both come quite close to uh, uh, to performing and uh, delivering for their for their backers over the last couple of weeks but again you, you're you getting some skinny prices on these guys I mean does, does 9 to 1 against Olsen excite either of you two? No. no, no, no. He's he's got way too many things to deal with to worry about winning the tournament. Yeah, he just he knows I need to finish top five, and that'll be his. You know, just to guarantee it and lock the guys out. Yeah, exactly. That'll be his focus. Um, yeah. And even even if he's leading on the final day, I'd say it's uh, it's probably a good bet and running to to go out. You know, to back whoever else is up against him. Yeah, it's going to be about protecting that position, isn't it? As you say, you know, he'll know mathematically where he needs to be by that point, and if it needs to be, you know, top seven or or better, or you know, if if, if the if it's already job done because the other two guys have. Uh, Kind of dropped away. It's, um, it doesn't sniff that he's going to go all out for the all out for the victory. And Peter's fourteen to one. I mean, he varies from tens to fourteens depending which bookie you go to. But um, again, it's uh, you know, given what we saw last week, there's you know, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and I don't know, taking a bit of a risk on that kind of a punt at that kind of price. And further down, we talked about Fitzpatrick and Pepper, and they're the two guys that follow that in the bet- betting at 18 and 22 to 1, respectively. They've both got a chance, I think. Um, and then you're down to the kind of mid division, say the likes of Danny Willett, um, uh, Lucas Beargard, uh, Martin Keimer at 40 to 1, if you fancy it, an ex Ryder Cupper, um, ex World number 1 to, to make, a, make a point. And Matt Wallace, who I backed last week. Um, 40 to 1 this week if you fancy uh, a bit of week after writers he got quite close didn't he and then just fell away on the Saturday yeah he had a, he had a decent round on the Friday didn't he um, mm. got himself in a couple of the I thought the, the dream was alive yeah our, our yeah, dream I mean, was very much alive and then it 
played it. Yeah, he played really well on the on the Thursday, uh, on the Friday rather, by the looks mm. of it. And you know, and he yeah. was very vocal on Twitter about how he was doing. He's going to go out hundred percent the next day. Kicked off with a birdie, and then um, just mm. nothing happened after that. And you know, pretty much nothing happened for the two days. And yeah, it's a shame, really, because you kind of thought he was going to going to make a make a good go at it at that point. And I, I'm quite early on in my. Analysis for this week, um, given that it's bank holiday and I only got back late last night from, from being away, but um, I have back two this morning um, that I think will go well. Um, and there's a, a, a short list which is quite long that I'll need to work through over the next few hours before we, uh, before we publish tomorrow, which will be around about lunchtime, I think. Um, I did back Matthew Fitzpatrick earlier. Um, he's been nibbled in. I've got him at twenty twos early on. He's he's eighteen to one at the best price now. Um, and I think if there's anyone who's really going to be motivated to go out and you know, desperately try and win this, it is Fitzpatrick. And I think if you look at the, the course, which is one of these classical tree line types, it's just under seven thousand yards, past seventy two. Um, it's kind of like a Heathland Heathland type track from what I can see. Um, hasn't been played for any. Um, professional tournament other than on the echo tour where we've got no uh stats to really give us a view of what it's uh, what it's played like um but um it feels to me it's the kind of track that will suit someone like fitzpatrick i think it will be relatively demanding off the tee with it being tree line pine trees um a lot of bunkers there's something like 150 160 bunkers over the course of the course of the track and um, there's lakes dotted around which will be impacting the uh, you know, the very wayward as well so I think you want a, a kind of a short tidy well not necessarily short but a tidy uh, player from tee to green and then someone who when they're on the putting surfaces can uh, can make a few putts and one thing with Fitzpatrick that has improved over the last few years has definitely been his putting as well um, and it feels to me I mean we'll see what it's like when we actually get get a full view of it on TV but I think we'll find that there's going to be some correlations with the kind of tracks where he's done well you know we know he's won round Woburn um, he's defending next week in uh, in Cranstrosier so those two kind of tree-lined um, strategic plotting type tracks where you need to you know it's, it's not all about brute force it's about uh, playing yourself into position and um, and, and performing well on the greens when you get there. I, th- I think Fitzpatrick will be the kind of player who could well perform at this kind of track. And um, although it's a bit skinny, I think if there's a player near the top of the market, it's most likely to perform. I get the feeling it's him. Yeah, and there's been bits of form about him for the last. Um, you know, you said earlier he's, he's had a disappointing year, Steve, and I think you're right. Um, but if you look back at this uh, Scottish Open um, a couple of months back. Um, he was second going into Sunday, and mm. didn't didn't happen on the Sunday. Finished fourteenth in the end, but uh, you know he was in position there. And that was the first time for a while. Open with sixty six at the Bridgestone as well. Um, finished sixty five, sixty eight on his at last Wyndham, start at the yeah. Wyndham. Yeah, um, and you know, and again there was, there was there's some good signs with um, you know the bits and pieces that we did see of him. Um, that his putting looked quite good, and you know as I say, if you're going to need to make a few birdies around this place, when they played this on the Echo Tour, they played it on over three uh, days, fifty four holes, and they were kind of getting to twelve, thirteen under these Nordic uh, League players. So you'd expect that over four. Um, over four days with decent conditions it's likely to be quite receptive the wind's not particularly strong 
and I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a kind of a high teens, maybe twenty under par. That kind of kind of bracket gets the job done here. So, um, someone's going to need to have their putting boots on and um, and give himself a lot of chances by hitting fairways and greens. In, I think. In my mind, he's over the Ryder Cup now because he he must know he must be no you know he must be a a, a mental scenario where he knows he's not going to get a pick unless something crazy happens and he was to win this. So I, I doubt, he probably feels that the pressure's off. So he well, probably yeah, go, I mean, go and play properly, go and play there's, nicely. There's, there's two aspects to the pressure. Firstly, yeah, it's, it, it's all or nothing, isn't it? So it's, he can he can play with um, a level of um, you know, he's not protecting anything. It's all about. There's far you know, more pressure on the likes of Olsen, Peters, and Pepperell than there is on yeah. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and the other thing I like, as I said a second ago, is that he's defending next week in in Kranz. So you know, again, I'd li- I like to look at that as just a factor to see who's played, who, who's defending the following week, and whether the the week before the, you, can, you can take a little bit of pressure off by by knowing that you're going to have a lot of you know, media media commitments, etc., the following week. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few little pointers there, and I don't think his underlying form's that bad. I think um, there's a, there's a bit to like about him. Um, as I say, I, I I've taken a punt on him to, to do well, so we shall see. The other guy I've backed is uh, David Horsey. Now Horsey's got a great record in this event. Now you know he's moved to a new track, but I, I think again the old Himalayan track was one that suited more plotting type players, players who were, you know the shorter players could get away with it off the off the tee because it was more about position um, and if you get yourself hot on the greens then um, uh, you can put yourself in a position to contend and he'd won there he'd come second uh, last year and if you look both times they were off of poor poor runner form and then then a break um, and he came back after a three or a four week break both times and uh, and got the job done and again Looking at his stats recently, he hasn't played. This will be it'll be four weeks since he since he teed it up um, this week when he goes out on Thursday. And prior to that, he'd finished 40th at the Irish Open, but his driving accuracy was good. He was second for driving accuracy that week. He finished 39th on his last start in Germany at the at the Porsche, but um, he was uh, first for Puttsburgh Greens and Regulations. Clearly, there's aspects of his game that are working okay. He's talked on Twitter about his inconsistency. Um, and you know what we've seen in the past, particularly when he's come up to this event, is he kind of has his summer holiday, irons a few things out, gets himself back out um, competitively, and he never very nearly won last year. Um, it's only that Julian Suri was he played out of his skin, um, and uh, you look at it. I think it was a four-shot victory in the end. But bear in mind that Horsey um, treble bogeyed the last when he needed a birdie to to force a playoff. So. Um, I think there's a lot to like, and I've got eighty to one against uh, about Horsey earlier with seven places each way. So that seemed like a fair, uh, a fair return to me. A few more that I'm looking at. Uh, uh, Roman Vatel is one that um, may well get uh, added in. I just need to make my mind up on him. David Lipsky's another one that's uh, that's got a lot of uh, things going for him. He's got a lot of good uh, good form on this kind of this kind of layout. Uh, Lee Slattery's playing well. Wallace, you know, I've got to decide whether I go back in on him again. Um, even Xander Lombard, who played well at the Open Championship, um, he won on the Sunshine Tour like, the week before last, I think. And he's he's available one hundred and twenty-five to one. So there's a few that um, are kind of close to my wow. thinking. Price. For Xander, yeah, given that he played so well at the Open. 
um, and then he, you know, backed that up a few weeks later. As I say, I think it was the week before last, wasn't it, on the Sunshine Tour? And if you look at his stats from that week, he was very, very strong from tee to green. Very strong. Do you think he can play on a tight tree line so, uh, track? <sighs> That's is he, the big is he, is he more your um, wide open spaces like the Checo? It, yeah, if, if I if I hadn't seen those um, driving accuracy and greens and reg stats from that Sunshine Tour event, I don't think I'd have really wanted to consider him. But if you're striking the ball that well, then I suspect you can get round on this kind of track. The thing with Lombard, Lombard is he's massively inconsistent. There's you know you could get five miscuts on the trot and then you will pop up and and do something, and that's why you're getting 125 to one. It's going to be a big risk if you go down that route, but. And um, he could either top five or you know get a horrible miscut. I think it's there's not going to be a great deal in between of those two outcomes. So um, yeah, I've not quite made my mind up with him yet, but um, he's one to ponder. I think. Anyone for you, Barry? Over in Denmark. I've had one. Uh, yeah, I've had one bet, uh, and it's Robert Rock, mm. the rock star. He's playing well, Rocky. Isn't he? Yeah. Mm. He's play, he played very nicely at the Nordea Masters on a course I'd say is not quite uh, ideal to him, and he he should be well able to plot uh, plot his way around here. And uh, so I thought forty to one was that's uh, ah, look obviously I'd like a little bit more in a guy that hasn't won in a few years, but uh, there's seven places there and he's playing nicely, so I think he'll have the. Uh, the patience to, to, to work his way around here. He's had a bit of a resurgence this season, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I was just look just looking there. Like he's uh, his stroke average is a half a stroke better for the this year uh, than it has been any other. Sorry, it's his best year for stroke average in the European Tour ever mm. by a half a stroke. So uh, yeah, that's that all bodes well. And well, you know, if, if he if he has a design on a win, this you know why not this. With with rock, a lot of it comes down to reading the putts and being comfortable with his caddy, and um, you know between them working out the lines. And it's given you go back to um, the Indian Open back in March, and from then on, most of his putting performances have been really strong. You know, relative for for him at least. And you know, you, mm. you're seeing a, a few top five, top six putting average performances in those. You know, in eight or ten events, and that for him will signal a decent, uh, decent set of results. Because from tee to green, he can he can he can play well. Wouldn't put you off that whatsoever, Barry. You must say. Well, it's a bit late because it's already <laughs> on. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Over in the States, we've got the Dell Technologies Championship, absolutely loaded. 98 players this week. Fowler doesn't play. He's injured with his uh, oblique problem. Uh, Francesco Molinari has also decided not to play this. Um, of course, top 100 in the FedEx Cup could have played. Gets cut down to 70 this week for the next... Uh, trip where they go to Philadelphia for the BMW Championship uh, Boston it's a track we see every year although we won't be seeing it next year because it's going to be on a rotor system um, for me it's a course that's kind of inland linksy kind of feel to it um, it's relatively short at 7,300 yards it's a par 71 um, it's got wide fairways and if you look at the list of players that have won here um, it does shout rather loudly from the rooftops 
uh, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Roy twice, Ricky Fowler, um, Henrik Stenson, even Charlie Hoffman. It does shout power off the tee. Um, it also shouts, even if you're not powerful off the tee, like Stenson won here in 13. Um, but as we know with Henrik, he's also very, very aggressive when it comes to going for the green and very aggressive in the way that he plays short par fours and par fives. So I'm looking for players that are very aggressive in that kind of ilk this week. Um, the greens are pure bent grass, although when you read comments about them, they say that it's very, very grainy bent grass. So we're moving away from Poana this week. Um, it's an original Arnold Palm design that's had recent work from Gil Hans. So if you're looking for Hans renovations, you can look at Trump National at Doral 2014 through 2016. Uh, Ridgewood Country Club, where they played the Barclays. Uh, in 2010 and 2014 and also Plainfield Country Club where they played the Barclays in 2011 and 2015. Um, for me, and you can look at this a number of ways, um, for me I'm just looking for very aggressive sorts who've got length off the tee. I won't be selecting Zach Johnson this week. Um, or someone like Brian Harmon. I, I want real, real aggressiveness off the tee. Um, it seems to sort though. It suits those with a high ball flight. Uh, it also seems to suit those that are very, very good when it comes to par five birdie or better. So par five scoring. Um, it's a course that's got difficult par fives. And that makes it interesting because it tends to mean that those that are very good on the par fives can still make eagles and birdies. And that really you know, starts to make them pull away from the rest of the field who struggle on the fives. Mm. Um, the fours are quite easy, or relatively easy, compared to the fives. But for me, and you look at this year in, year out, it's always guys that have got very good par five birdie or better numbers going into the event that tend to get the job done here. And, you know, when you look at the likes of Thomas, uh, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, there's one golf course that shouts to me straight away, and that's Quail Hollow. Thomas won the PGA Championship there last year. McIlroy's won there twice. He's maiden victory there back in 2010, it would have been. Mm. Ricky Fowler got his maiden victory there in 2015. Uh, Webb Simpson won here in 2011. We know that he plays well at Quail Hollow. I think he's got a house there. So there's definite links to Quail Hollow. You can see that from the uh, guys that have done well here in the past. So that's not a bad link in terms of correlating course form. Uh, Muirfield Village is another one. Uh, players also Sawgrass. Justin JT has been third at uh, the players. Uh, Henrik Stenson has clearly won at the players, has as Ricky Fowler. We know that McElroy can kind of navigate his way around there, although he's not won. And Webb Simpson, who won this in 2011, he won the uh, t the players this year. So again, Sawgrass mm. is another decent correlating course, as is uh, PGA National, where they played a Honda Classic. Uh, McElroy's a winner there. J JT won there this year. Ricky Fowler won there. They're um, kind of trickier tracks, aren't they? But this this doesn't tend to be as um, as high scoring. It tends to be the scoring tends to be a little bit better, doesn't it? Yes, JT won at seventeen under. He was three clear though. The rest of the field was sub fourteen under. 
Uh, McElroy won him in fi- at 1500 in 2016, but those two years were particularly blowy. I don't see that this year. Uh, there's been loads and loads of rain in the Boston area, like double what we normally see, so I expect the course to be quite soft at the start. Um, if it's really soft and it's really, really quiet in terms of wind, tw- sub 20 under is possible around here. Yeah. They have extended it, mine, but you know these days, you know, 60 yards here, with the technology they're using and the driver distance numbers we see now, I don't think it makes a great deal of difference. No, no. Stenson one here at 22 under, it kind of shouts plotters to a certain extent. It's either it's that it's outright power or plotters for me. Um, I'm not going for DJ who tops the market at nine to one. I'm tempted on Justin Thomas at 11s, but 11s is 11s, and there's never been a defending champion that's actually won this title. That doesn't mean he doesn't win. Uh, the one at the top of the market I can't resist, and I've gone in on, not heavily as such. Uh, it's, it's a proper bet, but it's not, it's not a huge bet. I'm going to go for Brooks Kopka, who I'm seeing at 14 to 1. I'm seeing Brooks Kopka at the same price as Jason Day, and I can't quite work that out. Would you take Brooks Cope, Kepka, Kepka at fourteen to one, or would you take Jason Day? Well, like the bookies always do this with Brooks, don't they? We see it time and again. He's a few points longer than he should be. Mm. I just don't think that it's kind of like the Bubba Watson thing. He's just not a really popular bet amongst punters, so he's just a, he's just a few points further out. Well, he's at fourteen to one, and before we withdrew, Ricky Fowler was as short as eighteen to one, and you just think. Mm. I don't get it really. Yeah, but so I'll, ta- I'll take it, don't you worry. I tell you, one of the uh, trends that there is here, um, I'll read this from what I've written. And the omens for PGA Championship winners here is good. That should be our good. <laughs> I need your grammar correct, Apple. I'm just changing this a bit. Sorry, listeners, I'm actually changing the copy. On, yeah, this Ch- is, change it on the fly. I'm changing it on the fly. Rory McIlroy won at Keir Island in 2012 and then won this at 12-1. to 1. In 2014, McIlroy won at Valhalla and finished fifth here. 2016 saw Jimmy Walker take the Wanamaker Trophy back to his Texas base and then finished third here at 100-1. to 1. And 12 months ago, Justin Thomas won his first major at the, at, uh, the Quail Hollow-hosted PGA and finished sixth at the Northern Trust and then came here and won at 20-1. to 1. Even Henrik Stenson in 2013 finished second at the PGA Championship hosted at Oak Hill before winning this at 28 to 1. It happens. So mm. I'm on Coca. I, 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 it takes a lot to motivate Brooks, as we know. He doesn't do normal tournaments. But I think the fact that he's fifth in the FedEx Cup playoffs, so you know, if he did take his foot off the pedal and he's really got a design to win the FedEx Cup, He'd be outside the top five, and we know that's absolutely critical to win the FedEx Cup. So I think that'll keep him interested. He likes the courses. I've, I've read that already. He's putts well on the greens here. And, of course, if he um, if he pretty much wins, I think, this week, he becomes world number one. If that isn't going to motivate a player, I don't know what is. And I, I, Well, he missed it by one shot last he did, week. Yeah. I get the I feeling think. with Brooks as well. Becoming a world number one, I don't think that's... When I've seen Justin Rose put up, and he's been put up again this week, that if Rose does well this week and wins, he becomes world number one. I think someone like Rose, that to me is a negative. I might be wrong, but I see that as a negative because I I see that almost as a hurdle for him. With Brooks, I see that as a motivator. That's Mm. the kind of thing he's going to thrive on. He wants to be world number one. 
So yeah, he, I see that as a plus point. Sorry, in his post-round interviews last week, he just kept mentioning how, you know his pre, you know previous years, his playoff record's not been great, but he's really trying to focus in on on fixing that uh, this year and going forward. So uh, it seems he's got the. Uh, He's focused anyway this week. Whether he pulls it off or not is another thing. But um, he, like, even when he's not playing his best, he still seems to be in the right place. Kind of like where DJ was when DJ's not. You know, when he was DJ was on his great run, he was still there, tenth, twelfth, eighth. Yeah. On the weeks when he wasn't winning, so uh, always keeping himself in the hunt. First for strokes gained, tee to green at Firestone. Second at Bell Reeve, and third last week. Not bad, is it? It's all right. It's not bad. Um, He's a top player. He is a very good player. Um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, on, I'm definitely on him. Um, there's going to be interest in Jason Day this week. There's going to be interest in Roy McIlroy, who was chalked up as big as 22s. That's gone already, 20 to one, and I can see why. But I'm not really interested in players, especially from a win perspective, who, you know, winners on the FedEx Cup playoffs play every event. That that just happens year in year out. So. Um, after Spieth's performance last week, I can't go anywhere near him. There's far too many doubles and triples for my liking. Mm. Um, and that then takes me down to the likes of Tiger Woods, who I was on last week. You could with Tiger. Um, I'm, I'm still debating whether to go to Tiger. I, I, I'm, not dis- I'm a bit like you, Paul. I've still got a shortlist. So Tiger's on there. Um, John Rahm's on there. Because I think on a course where you can bully um, and you can use all of your power, uh, Ridgewood wasn't that. He actually averaged 280 um, off the tee last week. So he clearly clubbed down and mm. got frustrated and played terribly. And that's what he does. Yeah. On an open, wide golf course that accepts his brute power off the tee, this is more by far more his cup of tea, John Rahm. And 25 to 1 is five points bigger than we were seeing last week at a course that wasn't going to suit him. So I'm tempted very much on John Rahm. Um, and then we're down to the likes of Adam Scott, who's now into 28 to 1. Um, mm. Justin Rose at 25 to 1. Tony Finau is at 30 to 1. I wonder with Finau if he thinks he's done enough now for the Ryder Cup or whether he's just going to keep his pedal to the metal. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'd be a I can't. I can't read him. I've never been able to read Tony Fino. I'm not going to start mm. now. Um, if I tipped him, he'd finish 34th. If I don't tip him, he probably finishes <laughs> second. So <laughs> it's cl- the classic Fino position. You got it. He's new, he's like the American Harrington. He doesn't just second, yeah. but bunch of seconds, bunch of seconds. No, look, Harrington's won way more than Fino, obviously, but also notorious for the amount of second places. The other thing with Tony is he never seems to be able to back up a performance. You know, you look at Billy Horshaw. We know Billy over the years. He loves going back-to-back. And when he's playing well, he goes back-to-back. Tony, you just don't see that. That takes me down to another player I'm very interested in is Patrick Cantlay. Uh, He's 33-1 to with Paddy Power, who are offering seven places each way this week, a 50 odds, uh, as are Betfred and Boyle Sports. So that's the best uh, each-way place... um, uh, promotion you can get this week and I just get the feeling with Cantley he's playing some very very nice golf I know he's really slow boring to watch the putter's warm he hit in greens for fun his tee to green game is excellent I think he was 12th here on debut last week and these are the numbers that kind of 
grab my attention. Um, if I could find them, naturally. Uh, fourth in going for the green across the whole season and also 25th with par 5 birdie or better. 11th in the FedEx Cup and I just think with Cantley, if he's got, as we said at the top of the show, we don't really know what's going to happen, but if Cantley was to win this this week, that then opens the door potentially for him to, or at least finish in the top, you know, second or third and then push on next week at the BMW yeah. Championship. There's still hope there for the Ryder Cup for Cantley. Yeah, you said it, said it with Ryan Moore, didn't we? It's, you know, there's, there's someone who can get very hot over these these final few weeks can uh, can force their way in, can't they? Um, you could also look at Patrick Reed. I think he played nicely last week. The one I'm tempted on is again is Billy Horschel, mm. who we know finished second here a few years ago, and he should have won. And then he went the next week uh, or two weeks later to the BMW Championship, won that. Then he won at East Lake. We know he strings performances together. And if that man could have putted better last week, his, his tee to green game was absolutely phenomenal, Horschel. I mean, I watched you know the coverage last night and the way he was hitting the ball was absolutely phenomenal, Billy Horschel. Yeah. And in my mind, he isn't a pure Poana player. But Bentgrass on a course Dang where off. we know he's done well in the past and we know that with Billy once he's when he's motivated when he's confident and he you know he was walking off around with Adam Scott last and he could just tell he was into it he was he was burning a lot of lips and you know he was animated he's really into it right now Horschel and I just think 50 to 1 I'm seeing about about him that's that's a decent each way punt for me yeah, I, I agree. If you look back in the 2014 when he did that, um, he had that spell that you talked about here, and uh, second, first, first, yeah. that was driven by some fantastic ball striking stats. We know, yeah. we know he's a great ball striker anyway. But you know, when he gets that absolute top gear, um, he's very, very strong. And if you look at his uh, greens in regulation over the last few weeks, they've been, you know, his performances have been absolutely fantastic. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. fourth four on that count in the USPGA, second um, for driving accuracy and sixth for greens and regulation at Wyndham and then third for greens and reg last week. As you said, if he'd have putted well last week, then, um, you know, who knows? But yeah, I, I agree with you, Stav. Of, of the two that I've backed, Horschel's one of them. Mm. I do like Horschel a lot this week, it has to be said. Mm. Um, he was uh, seventh at the PGA, greens and regulation, eighth at Sedgefield and he was fifth last week that for me is that I think that's a green light I'm surprised he hasn't been cut a lot more you know mm. why do you why do you think he hasn't been cut it's a strong field Steve isn't it it's a very strong field you know it's, what was he at 100 to 1 last week so, I'm just looking yeah. at I'm, I'm looking up from my um, notes from last year what price he was um, I thought he was shorter than that. There was a bit of a hundred to one about him last week, early on. Um, yeah, early on, hundred to one. But you're saying that? I mean, he was a hundred to one with some firms, and he was as short as sixty sixes. Yeah. So yeah. when you still got fifties out there, I don't think that's too much of a of, of oh, a no, cut no. for a guy no, that no. played really, really nicely last week. And we know and as he's, you a, said, he's a winner on bent grass, isn't he? Yeah, as you said, he's the kind of guy that strings those two big weeks together, or three big weeks together. That's, uh, that, that, that is how he rolls. 
And so what? And if, we're talking Ryder Cup. You know, if he won this week and won next week, he's then, just got into my head. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah. he's right in there. And I think one of his regret, regrets when he went, if you go back to the time he won this, is that mm. the Ryder it was Ryder Cup year, I believe, and they'd already made all of their selections, and yeah. he yeah. and that was what prompted these changes for Team USA. It was yeah. Billy Horschel. Yeah, I remember the debate. Remember it now. And he missed out on the Ryder Cup, and he was the best player on the planet at that point. Yeah, sat at home. Mm, sat at home, twiddling his thumbs, counting ten million dollars that he just won. <laughs> well, eleven point five with the tournament win, but yeah, exactly, crazy. Sorry, Barry, what were you going to say? I just think if he wins this week, that's how can he not be in the in the discussion for that? You know, effectively the fourth spot. Mm. Too right because you know third last week wins this week and say pops in a top ten next week. That's if you if you say you know you over you sitting down the pub over a pint of beer and you and we're having a chat and you say to me tell me streaky a streaky a list of streaky players Billy Horschel would be in that very close mm-hmm. to the top of it like a Ryan Moore when Ryan Moore gets really hot with a putter follow him especially on bent grass it's the same with Horschel when he gets hot stick with him. It was interesting because he played that Barbasol Championship, didn't he? The, uh, the, which coincided with the Open, yeah. and he didn't just go there yeah. and make up the numbers and finish. He finished second, mm. and he seems to just just be in the process with Todd Anderson, and his coach. Just seems to be living it at the moment, and he's really starting to to fire on all cylinders. And as we've always said, and it was the same with Scott last week, and it's been the same with him a couple of week, uh, outings now. When these top quality ball strikers, when that when that putter's warming, you've got to get on board. So yeah, Billy Horschel for me. Mm. I, just from just from a fan's point of view, I think he would be brilliant to have the Ryder Cup. Oh that, yeah, that, you know, it's his great value, personality. Isn't yeah, I think it would be great entertainment watching him play. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, the, those are the ones I'm mulling over. I can't fit them all in, um, but um, that's why I'm going to keep my stakes on Cope. Kepka down because if I if I go three you know four points each way on Kepka I might as well shut up shop for the week. Um, I think that Kepka has got the best chance of all those players, and if he does win, no one would be surprised, and it'd be nice for the profit and loss. But I'd like to also fit in some juicier prices as well, so I need to come mm. up with a balanced balanced attack. Mm. Um, and if Kepka gets a place that doesn't cover the week, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, when we're looking for winners, that's the kind of strategy you need to take. Um, which one of you guys want, wants to put up a, your your views on it? I know clearly you're on Horschel, Paul. Yeah, I've got one more, but you go you go, Barry, and I'll, I'll tell you my other one. Yeah, well, I'm also on Cantley. I was on him last week as part of my probably worst week of gambling ever. <laughs> um, I went heavy on a number of a number of bets, and uh, of course, when you when you swing for the fences, you sometimes miss. Um, with that said, I'm I'm sticking with Gary Woodland. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna die by him or or win with him. Um, either or, I think I'm all the way to the end of the season now. You're betting him till he he's, dies, yeah. I th- I think so. Yeah, I, I he's like we were talking about. He's put all the right things in place to to get his game up to the next level. Um, he putted like uh, a blind man last week. Yeah. So um, doesn't matter though. Know, this hope- is the thing we've always said: judging putting. It's very, very difficult, isn't it, to trend, and and it it just clicks. But it's by far the yeah. the hardest skill set to predict who's going to do well this week. And would it, oh, Woodland, sure. it, it could just click this week, and next thing you know, 
The tee to green gains excellent, could, yeah. and he's making putts. And he could get on, yeah, he could, like you said, he could get on the putting green, and he could just something could just feel right or click, or he just you know moves a finger half an inch, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It'll all, it'll all come together. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm I, I'm all in with Woodland at this stage, and you know if you listen to the show next week, unless he wins this week, I'm probably going to be saying the exact <laughs> same thing. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm not. We're not going to copy and paste this piece. Of this part of <laughs> just cut it in. Um, and I do have. I, do you want to go, Paul? Because I've won big bet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, one, I've won long odds, guys. So you go in, and I'll come in with my long odds. Yeah, the, the other guy I've backed is Till Hatton. Um, I know Hatton's a debutant here, but if you look through the history, um, the likes of Stenson and McElroy have both won with relatively um, little experience at TPC Boston. So I don't find that as being a particular hindrance what i get with hatton is that he's um he's been putting some nice low rounds in without actually backing it up with two or three other rounds so 65 64 to open the scottish 64 to close at the us pga for 10th uh, 64 to close last week and um, i don't know if you saw it on twitter but he went out and yeah. bought a new putter off the shelf um and uh, clearly has fallen straight in love with it and um With me, Hatton's one of those players that it's a tiny thing that can spring him to life. There's a tiny bit of um, confidence that appears for whatever reason, or there's there's something goes right. You know, he's he's such an emotional character um, that when something happens, it's positive for him. It can just uh, manifest itself and snowball um, into something stronger. Now, if you look at his GIR, first for GIR at the US PGA, sixth for GIR last week, so that's good. I was hitting tons Um, of greens, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and you know, if the putter's now um, going to be compliant, it might be a one-off. Might be a one-off round with his new putter, and it, it falls to pieces this week. But um, if you, you couple those together for four rounds, he's going to he's going to score incredibly heavily. Um, and if you go this time of year for him, can be pretty prolific. You go back to last year after the USPGA, um, he followed up with former third, eighth, first, first. Those next four starts. So. Um, it can be, you know, in terms of biorhythms, in terms of him feeling comfortable with his game after the major season's finished, whatever it is, um, he's uh, he, he can clearly start to find his form at this back end of the season. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to prove from a from a um, Ryder Cup perspective. Um, it's just go out there and play with some reckless abandon, and I think um, I think he could go well this week. Sixty sixty. Yeah, it's a good price. He needs to go well, doesn't he? Because um, he won't make uh, he won't make the BMW. Uh, where is he? He's seventy first or something. Yeah, he's he's seventy first. So he needs to have a decent enough week to to get mm. well into those into the you know into a decent position where he might make it East Lake. And for these guys like Hatton and Fleetwood, making East Lake's a huge huge statement. Yeah. You know, when you're effectively broken into the PGA Tour for the first, into the FedEx Cup for the first year, if you can get to Eastlake, that's a superb performance. Mm. So he's got plenty to play for. And like you said, oh, his greens in regulation numbers at the moment are phenomenal. Oh, they're, they're great. I mean, as I say, with me, for me, it's that spark of confidence that just comes from something. And it could be something as random as, you know, him having gone out and literally bought this, this putter, you know, Found he's got on with it, and um, the rest, you know, could be history. Mm. We shall see. But yeah, yeah like is, 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 is the only other one I've backed other than uh, other than uh, Horschel. Who's your um, come on, Barry? We're all, we're waiting here with bated breath. I'm going to give it the big. Yeah, b- yeah. Don't don't. I reckon you. 
I mean, I, uh, I know you. I reckon you might have gone for Benny Ann. No. Okay. No. Are you, I burned is it a money bi- on him. Bigger price, I burned, is it I, even bigger. I burned money on him last week. It actually is bigger, yeah. I'm not Luke List. <laughs> no. <laughs> not Siwoo Kim. Yeah. Oh, here's Siwoo. I mean, I thought Siwoo's back in our good books, and he's he's firmly off the Christmas card list. You're going Jason um, Coprag, are you? No. Uh, I've gone for Daniel Berger. Oh. What are you getting Berger at? Uh, I picked him up at 110 seven places with Betfred. Mm, not bad. Yeah, I thought so. Best best places, best price combo. Um, might do a little top up on the exchange as well, just to just to really land the bomb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or you know, just uh, go, go go even deeper into the losses. <laughs> um, <laughs> he uh, yeah, he's had a couple of good results at this course. Where are we now? He well, not well, he's had one good result. He had a twelfth there uh, three years ago. He's at a twelfth and a fifteenth in the last three weeks. Um, nothing phenomenal in his long game stats, but he was putting the lights out last week, which is nice. So if he can. Just tidy up the long game a little bit, and he can contend. It's funny with yeah. Berger, isn't it? Because at the PGA Championship, he wasn't he like the best in the field for strokes going tee to green or something incredible. Because he he shot something silly in the first round, and then he was the best player on the course across the last three rounds. Played really really well. So then a lot of people jumped on him at TPC Southwind, missed the cut, and then last <laughs> week, of course, he puts puts like a demon. So if he can actually marry both sets of skills together, he's going to be absolutely dangerous. Yeah, and he can show up in the big events. Yeah. I mean, he has six, sixth at the US Open. Yeah, That's, that's yeah. no joke yeah. at that golf course. He's also oh. done it at the playoffs before where he's, I think he was second to Jason Day one year uh, and he, he, he got on a bit of a roll in the playoffs. So he's got experience of doing that. Yeah, good result in the PGA Championship even more recently at 12th. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 110. I you know, thought it was uh, that's going to be a fun one to have. I've got the vape. Thought, sorry, the, Go the reason I said he was longer is because I was looking at his uh, bet, bet fair exchange odds. No, they were right. 150 or 160. So he wasn't lo- wasn't longer than Benny. Arm. He's as short as 66s with Unibet, 110 with Bet Fred. So there's a huge disparity there. Hmm. I've got a feeling you were on him last year, Steve. Actually, oh probably. Every time I bat Burger, he misses the cut. Please stay away. Um, I'm going nowhere near him. <laughs> yeah, I can I can give you a long list of players that never deliver for me. You know the Chris Kirks, the Tony Finals of this world. You you really need the Web.com tour graduates to come onto the tour. So oh, I've got I've got a story there before we finish. Fun. I've got a story there before we finish, and you know what I'm going to say. Robert Streb was the last one off my list last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course he was, Steve. <laughs> But there was a huge, there's a huge link with that tournament, um, Ohio State and Quail Hollow. Sure enough, he's finished top four, uh, top five or six at Quail Hollow. Done well on uh, courses that link in. And I thought, oh no, he's playing awfully. Goes and wins it, hundred and some odd to one. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I mean, guys that go well on courses, it seems you can almost throw the form book out the window sometimes. Mm. What an infuriating thing we do! <laughs> who uh, who do you who do you think will win that none of us have picked uh, tipped up? <laughs> oh, Spieth will do it just to annoy Spieth, the hell out of you. Yeah, that's the one that's in my. Yeah, oh, Spieth or Spieth. Woods? It's going to be, isn't it? Spieth, probably will be. 
There you go. Lump on speed. It's going to be a fascinating week of golf. A lot of questions are going to be answered in terms of the Ryder Cup. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, chaps. So thank you very much for your input this evening. Cheers, guys. We will be back Cheers, next guys. week for the BMW Championship and also for the... You've got the um, European uh, Amiga, yeah. Amiga Masters, haven't you? Yeah, that's it. That's the always one. a good event. Yeah, Sergio will probably drag himself out for that one, so that'll be good to watch. Ah, he'll win us. He'll win us. <laughs> he'll win it. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.